Will the Red Sox go shortstop heavy again in the draft this year, or will they add to the pitching depth that the farm system seems to lack right now? You'll find out this weekend as the draft is finally here. You are locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Red Sox, your daily Monday through Friday Boston Red Sox podcast talking all things your favorite baseball team in Boston. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut, former ESPN social media associate and current host of the Boston Balling podcast, here to bring you all things Boston Red Sox. Happy draft week. We are finally here. What will the Red Sox do this year? I have somebody here to give us some insight on that as well as some other Red Sox draft related content and I am going to be introducing him very very shortly I'm super excited to officially do a crossover with him who he's super knowledgeable about anything draft related prospects related so here to give you some insight on all of that is Lindsay Crosby from the Locked on MLB Prospects show Lindsay how are you doing this morning uh it is this is the best time of the year for us. Obviously, college baseball just wrapped up. It was tons of fun. The draft, the lead up to the draft, uh, super busy, but super fun preparing for our live show on Sunday night. Yeah, well, I am praying for you and um, how busy you're going to be at that point. But I also appreciate you taking the time to come on the show here and give Red Sox fans some insight about what they can look forward to. We're going to be discussing the Red Sox draft picks that they have in this year's draft, some players to look out for that they possibly could draft. Then we're also going to be going into some of the players that the Red Sox have called up this season from the farm system, whether they're performing to expectations so far, realistically what to expect from them moving forward, as well as Lindsay's going to give us a nice update on the top five prospects in the Red Sox system right now, how they're doing within the system. So I'm excited to get all of that insight from him and really hear from him on that. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Lindsay, I'm really excited to have you here. I think the draft is always a fun time because you never really know what teams are targeting, and obviously every team has certain areas they need to fill. And, you know, the Red Sox do lack some pitching depth in the minor league system, so I'm interested if that's the direction they're going to go in. But I'd love to hear your insight on – Um, some players that you think the Red Sox should target when they are drafting. They do have pick 14 in round one, as well as pick 50 in round two. And then they have a few other picks scattered throughout the rest of the draft. But um, who are some players that you think could make sense for the Red Sox when they are drafting this weekend? So the thing to think about with the Red Sox draft is Heim Bloom has input But Paul Taboni has really been the guy who's ran the draft the last few years. And the thing that I've noticed is he has tendencies, and then the team has done a good job of building their board around the strengths of the draft. Now, in previous years, the strength of the draft had been prep players, you know, and where Boston is picking. But then Taboni has also, he's tended to like California players, not afraid to take a prep. 
uh, was looking for something who had like a up the middle talent. You can look at the shortstop depth in the system now to kind of see an example of that. And then looking for some sort of high upside uh, hit tool that could carry a guy, things like that. So Marcelo Meyer is a perfect example. If you look at where the board uh, laid out and the options they had, they went with the California shortstop who had a good hit tool and was an up the middle talent. So when I'm looking at this, at the board this year, the draft is very college heavy. And that's a byproduct of 2020, such a shortened draft. A lot of the top prep talents went to college. So this is the draft where they're all eligible. And the pitching isn't great in this draft, but especially in the first round. So I like them to, I like Boston to go get a pitcher, but I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit later. I actually have a, a couple arms in the third round, I think would be a good fit. In the first round, what I'm looking for is uh, it's going to be a bat, and it's not really a great spot for any of the prep bats if you, you know, but you can take a guy there and probably get him a little bit under slot. A couple guys to watch for uh, Colt Emerson, the shortstop out of Ohio. He goes to John Glenn High School. Uh, he's kind of considered to be a uh, tweener between uh, shortstop. Second base, third base, not quite sure where he's going to stay. Uh, his range is is better than, than I think we've expected. But it's something where he's, he's thought to grow off the position. He has a plus hit tool. That's the carry and hit tool that this team likes to find in their prep draftees. Uh, I, I really think he's a good one to watch uh, at 14. There's a couple prepsters that are supposed to go before that. If they fall down the board, there's no way that they pass Boston. Um Prep shortstop Arjun Namala, he's a guy, if he somehow falls to 14, he's kind of considered to be uh, the top infield prepster in the draft. If he falls, I don't think there's any way he gets past here. Colin Houck, another prep infielder, if he falls, no way that he gets past 14. But uh, Colt Emerson, maybe a guy like a shortstop second baseman, Matt Shaw. Uh, you know, he's not a... He's not a prepster, but just a college guy that kind of fits based on the tendencies this team likes. Something where above average runner, but he does have that above average power and he has the hit tool that can kind of carry him through. Something where probably going to shift to second or third, but either way, one of those up the middle talents with the carrying tool. Uh, in the mock that we did, it actually came out uh, Thursday, I actually, the way the board worked out, because Shaw was taken, I ended up giving the Red Sox Tommy Troy out of Stanford, up the middle talent, shortstop, second baseman, uh, you know, same same package of everything else. And I just think that given the strengths of this draft, given that college hitters are so dominant right now in this draft, you can either make an at-slot selection of a college bat or a little bit under-slot selection of a prep bat, and then probably turn around and double back up on that in the second round. Okay, so you really do think that they should stick to a lot of what we've seen from them before and go infield heavy earlier on in the draft and then focus more on pitching later on. Yeah, and if you kind of look at like the way that the board shakes out, there's a couple arms that may or may not be available in the middle of the first round. Uh, something like a Hurston Waldrop from Florida, Rhett Lauder from Wake Forest. These are guys that they've seen their stock rise because they had great performances at the College World Series. 
And so odds are they're probably gone by the time the Red Sox pick. And rather than either taking a, a high school arm, because that's one of the riskiest demographics, right? A high school right-handed pitcher is the most common and the most risky demographic. There's just not a lot of good options right there unless you want to significantly reach for an arm. And the way that the draft breaks out, uh, I think round three is the perfect time. And if you look, you've got a third rounder, you've got a fourth rounder, and then two compensatory picks at the end of the fourth round for Xander Bogarts and Nathan Eovaldi. And so I really like the idea of grabbing a couple prep position players with picks one and two. You can probably save a little bit of money on at least one of them. And then turning around and doubling or tripling up on on, on college pitching with that third rounder and that fourth rounder. Something like Isaiah Cupid from Ohio State would fit the profile. What the Sox have done with pitching in the draft is they're really going after the the guys who have great traits. Think about Jonathan Brand last year. It's a five foot ten inch uh, right hander, but he's got a really like a huge twelve to six curveball. Does really well in the metrics. Dalton Rogers is a guy uh, low slot, good ride on the fastball. He's not a conventional profile, but the stuff's really good. And so uh, Nick Maldonado from Vanderbilt, uh, Andrew Walters from Miami, Isaiah Cooper from Ohio State. Um, Jerron Watts Brown from Oklahoma State, all these guys kind of fit in. I could see doubling or tripling up on college arms after taking a couple hitters. It's just the strength of the draft doesn't really line up early, the first round, the second round. So day one doesn't really line up with what the Sox actually need in the system, which is pitching. So you kind of have to you kind of have to work with the talent available and Bloom, Taboni, and then Devin Pearson. This is his first draft as scouting director, but Taboni and Bloom have done a good job of of making those adjustments to the board based on what the 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 drafts skill, talents are and depth are. So I kind of think that's probably what's going to happen. Me saying that they're going to go three straight pitchers. Watch, <laughs> right? We're we're going to look back on this conversation after the Red Sox went the first three picks, drafting three pitchers. <laughs> the important thing to know about the draft is that nobody knows what's going to happen in the draft. If we can. Uh, we did a, a, a 39 pick mock that's dropping on Thursday and Friday on Locked In Movie Prospects. If I get 10 of those picks right, it'll be amazing. And that's just kind of the hit rate for all of us because money's such a big deal and everything else that there's so many more unknowns in MLB drafts than there are in football or basketball or anything else. Yeah, it's so hard to predict where people are going are gonna to fall, but it'll be interesting to see how accurate you really are with that. Cause it seems like there's a lot of good options infield options in particular that mm-hmm. the Red Sox could go for, but coming up, we're going to talk about some players who we've seen be called up this year by the Red Sox in multiple capacities due to some unfortunate injuries that took place with the team this year. So we're going to get Lindsay's insight on that coming up next, but have you ever been in ticket trouble? We all I'm sure have, had events that we've tried to go to last minute and worry about being able to get tickets to said event. I know I personally have, and it's a really, really stressful to try to find seats at a reasonable price, but game time does have you covered. They want to make it as less stressful as possible. They will find you a good deal on tickets last minute. I know one of my friends just went to the Ed Sheeran concert and she used game time to get tickets because 
she decided at the last minute that she really wanted to go because a lot of her friends were going and she was able to get a ticket for a decent price because it was last minute. So game time will find you the best price guarantee. So you don't have to stress over the tickets and just focus on having fun at the event that you're going to, because it's really worth your while to try to find those last minute deals because all of our plans change. And sometimes you wake up one morning and you want to do something spontaneous or go to that concert and see that artist you've been dying to see. So definitely go to game time for all of your ticket needs, snag the tickets without the stress, download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I know for me personally, it definitely takes away the stress. So if you're in any situation like me where you like to be spontaneous, sometimes game time is definitely for you. So obviously the Red Sox have had some injuries this season. They've been absolutely decimated with injuries, primarily from a pitching standpoint, as well as from an infield standpoint. And the shortstop position has been problematic for the Red Sox this year due to those injuries and their defense has just not been very good. So they've called up David Hamilton, who has been playing shortstop. And they've also called up Brandon Walter to pitch a couple times and really some other players that the Red Sox have called up of note this season um, just to basically fill in for injuries. I mean, catcher Caleb Hamilton got called up because Reese McGuire is on the injured list. So Lindsay, I would love to get your thoughts on some of the players that we've seen the Red Sox call up this season from the minor league system, whether they are performing to expectations so far, or if it's too small a sample size or what we should look for from them going forward. Yeah. So some of these guys, small sample size, David Hamilton, for instance, he's, I mean, he's played in 12 games. His stats in AAA, I think are better than what you've seen in MLB. And I think he is a better player than what you've seen offensively from the MLB sample. I really like He's making above average contact in the zone, which is always a big tell for us as far as a prospect. How good are they at, like, with the hit tool? He's chasing less than average. He's making contact in the zone more than average. He's just getting beat by MLB quality breaking stuff. He's just not necessarily uh, up to speed yet on this is what, like, yeah, you were in AAA, but this is what an MLB slider looks like. This is what an MLB changeup looks like. Uh, I do think he's been trying to, because of the ballpark, I think he's been trying to hit for a little bit more power than maybe he should. Should probably get back to just um, peppering the gaps with line drives. But obviously he was there. He's called up for his defense. I think the defense is fine. A lot of people don't necessarily think he's been that great. I think he's been fine. The big thing that I've noticed with David Hamilton's defense in Boston has been when he's facing lefties, I don't know if it's something where he's not prepared for how the pitcher is going to pitch a lefty differently or if he's not positioned right. But he seems to not be as good defensively when a lefty is at the plate versus a righty. And again, I don't know if that comes back to pitching, his positioning, or the read that he's getting off of the bat because obviously everything's backwards You know when you're, uh, when you're feeling a ball from a lefty. So... I, I like what I've seen. It is a small sample size offensively, so don't worry about the fact he's got no home runs in 12 games or, you know, he's only struck out nine times. He's walked five times. It's perfectly fine. He's making the adjustment period, but I like David Hamilton. 
Um, Brandon Walter, Brandon Walter and Chris Murphy, both of them, it's kind of hard to evaluate because it's a small sample size, really small for Walter. He's played in two games. Uh, I do think the profile for Brandon Walter, cutter, sinker, slider, change, isn't really a high ceiling profile. You know, as, as far as you're pitching to contact with the sinker and the, the, the slider, the cutter is the, the cutter and slider oftentimes kind of blend together. And then his velocity just isn't where it needs to be. He, uh, his, he had Tommy John in 2019. He, got, he came back, and in 21, the velocity was really good in the minors. He was hitting mid-90s. And then for some reason last year, I think it was the bulging cervical disc he had, the velocity dropped and it hasn't completely come back yet. He's, he's still throwing uh, low 90s on the fastball, which lefties, you have a little more grace for velocity, but not, not that much. I think the sweeper is really, really good. Uh, but the issue with being a lefty who relies on a sweeper is uh, sweepers have the highest platoon split of any breaking pitch. And so he really has to use that changeup in handedness matchups. And when he throws the changeup, sometimes he leaves them kind of middle in. And that's an easy place to get rocked. So we've, we've seen that a little bit in some, some of his, uh, his short sample in the major leagues. I do think if you can get the sinker velocity a little bit better and the cutter velocity a little bit better, and then the change can be a little more consistent, or at the very least, when you miss, don't miss middle in. Um, I think he he absolutely could be a, a back of the rotation number five guy who's eating innings for you during the summer. Um, I'm a little higher on, on, on Chris Murphy. I like his sequencing. I like how he can do that stuff. I do think he needs to throw more sweepers and less of the true sliders. Because when he misses on that true slider, it's outer third belt high and it gets rocked. And so, you know, uh, the, his changeup is good enough to offset the sweeper as far as far as giving him options for either handedness. The fastball has good velo. Um, he's working with, mostly in long relief. Not, I don't think he started the game for you guys, but I do think he could be a number five or number four in the rotation. It's just a matter of one throwing more sweepers. And then getting that slider to when you miss. I'm fine if you throw both a sweeper and a slider. I'm perfectly fine with me. Just don't miss on the slider uh, out of third belt high. Find a better place to miss than that. But <laughs> I like what I've seen from Chris Murphy. I think he's probably the most promising of the two young pitchers that's come up. And I think David Hamilton's better than what he's shown in MLB. He just has that adjustment period he's getting through right now. Right, yeah. With David Hamilton, it's tough because... I just think it's a matter of him not being ready yet. And the Red Sox probably do know that, but they really didn't have much of a choice, unfortunately, just because they have had all these injuries. And, you know, Yu Chang is supposed to be activated today or tomorrow. So it could be a good thing for David Hamilton to allow him to go back to AAA and really Mm -hmm. focus on continuing to work and develop because I think he was just in a situation where they kind of had to call him up before he was ready. And we're seeing the aftermath of that now. Yeah. If, if Ching or, or, or story or KK, if, if any of those shortstops are healthy, David Hamilton's probably not coming up. He's probably spending the entire year in AAA, just getting better, um, just getting better at the pitch recognition and dealing with that, that better level breaking stuff than he was seen in double A. I think, I just think that's kind of, that's kind of the issue. With when Cheng's back, you're probably sending Hamilton back down. When Story's back, you're obviously not needing Hamilton. And so, very much a a 
sample size kind of thing. And with Walter and Murphy, you can let them be in the bullpen and use them in relief and ease them into it. I'm perfectly fine with that. It's hard to do that with a position player. And so, the, so Hamilton needs to be playing every day because he needs to be getting at bats every day. Coming up, we're going to get an exciting update on the Red Sox top five prospects. This is the future of the team we're talking here. The uh, players who really could be the guys that you look back on and help the Red Sox win maybe multiple championships, hopefully, um, down the line. So Lindsay's going to give us a nice update on those players coming up. Don't forget you can check out Locked on Red Sox on any of your favorite podcast platforms for free Monday through Friday. Just download the show on your favorite platform. Um, Listen to it. Leave a review. Leave a rating. Share it with your family and friends. We all love the Red Sox. We all love baseball. So share it with whoever um, is as passionate about the Red Sox as I am. And I'm here Monday through Friday to talk to you about this roller coaster of a season that the Red Sox are having um, and going through all the emotions that you're feeling. So subscribe to the show, download, leave a review, and also check out the Locked on MLB Prospects show. This is the best time of the year to be doing that. As you've seen, Lindsay has great insight on prospects and the future of the league, what to be excited for. So regardless of, um, you know, whether you watch a lot of college baseball, he's still a good person to go to for future players that could be coming up um, within the league, within the Red Sox system, in a farm system that's very much improved from a few years ago. So definitely check out Lindsay's show, especially throughout the weekend as the draft is going on. He has you covered with all things draft related. If you want to know who is this player and what does he do well, Lindsay's your guy. So check out Locked on MLB Prospects as well as we head into what will hopefully be a fun weekend of the draft coming up here. So speaking of the Red Sox system and prospects, um, I'd love to hear an insight and update on players like Nick York, Marcelo Meyer, um, Rafaela, players like that who are supposed to be the Red Sox top prospects at the moment. Yeah, so Marcelo Meyer, pick fourth overall, was a candidate to go number one. I think that he's shown... Uh, why he was a candidate to go number one overall. When you look at what he's done between uh, single A and, and high A, 249, 323, 474, uh, 30 extra base hits in 63 games, so almost one every other game, uh, 29 walks to 61 strikeouts, striking out less than once a game. Uh, the strikeout rate sounds high. It's 21%. It was 25% last year, so it's gotten better despite going up at levels. Uh, he does swing a little bit more than average, about 52% of the time. Uh, but the good thing is he's making enough contact when he does that. He's, he's making above average contact, so he's not chasing a ton. He's just swinging more often when he sees hittable pitches. I think the next level of development for him on the pitch recognition, he's really good at ball versus strike. I think the next level of pitch recognition is strike versus uh, a pitch I can do damage on, right? That's the second level of pitch recognition. Uh, the sub, the swing and miss that he has is a, lo- a lot of it's stuff below the zone. So it's uh, change-up sinkers that drop down, curveballs are going below the bat. That's kind of his weakness still, is he'll see it, it looks to be a hittable pitch, drops below the zone. So uh, I like that. Defensively, he's fine. Uh, the range isn't great. We knew he wasn't going to be great. The arm is good enough. He should be a Perfectly average shortstop. Guys do tend to get better defensively as they rise through the minors. I don't have any concerns about Marcelo Meyer's defense. He's not going to be 
he's probably not, not going to win a gold glove at defense or at short, but he's going to be av- perfectly average to maybe above average defensively. So fine with that. Um, Miguel Blyce out for the year with the shoulder sublation. He should be back next year. You could kind of see um, that he had the, the athleticism showed. He was struggling with breaking balls a bit. Most young players do. Not a big deal. Um, but the, the arm looked good. The speed looked good in center. He's going to have a high floor. He played both center and right. Uh, the small sample that we got, he looked good. You should feel excited about it. It's just a question now of he, he's going to come back next season. He'll be turning 20 years old. I think when the season starts, his birthday is like March. I think it's really March. And so getting him back on the development curve and doing the pitch recognition, part of me would love for them to have him stand in the box with the shoulder brace on and just watch pitches come in. Because I just want him to see the, what the breaking balls look like and things like that. Don't hit him. Please don't hit him. He's recovering the shoulder. But just let him stand in the box and watch pitches come in so he can be- do better on breaking stuff. Um, talking about the draft, actually, Nick York is a guy, a lot of folks were surprised when they took Nick York where they did. The thought was like, he's going to be a second or third rounder. They took him at 17 overall, but signed him below slot, saved some money there. And he's looked, that looked to be a really good pick. He's batting 280 in double A, 280, 367-463. Power production isn't amazing. Nine home runs, 26 extra base hits. Uh, But he's, he's struck out around 76 times. The big issue that he had to fix was he was struggling with, with, uh, launch angle last year he was hitting a lot of ground balls and he had gone from using the whole field to trying to pull the ball to generate power and he's kind of fixed that he's kind of gone back to I'm not trying to sell out for power I'm trying to just consistently make solid contact so the ground ball rates mostly fixed the strikeout rates come back down a little bit Uh, it's still a little bit higher than you want but he is I still think when he's healthy one of the the better pure hitting prospects in the minors but he has to hit the defense. The range isn't great at second. Uh, the defense itself is fine. His hands are good. The throws are accurate. I think he. I think he has maybe one or two errors on the season. Like he's making all the plays he should make. It's just the range isn't great. There's just stuff he doesn't get to. So he's gonna have to hit. He's gonna be a, a bat first second baseman. But I do like what I've seen from Nick York. Uh, just, just fixing a lot of the issues that we saw. That's obviously the thing that you want a guy to do year over year. And that's what he's done. That's so exciting. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, a good situation for the Red Sox to be in having these guys who hopefully at one day can come up and really, really contribute towards, you know, winning a championship or maybe multiple. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously when it comes to the Red Sox system, so many analysts like to rank farm systems in terms of where they feel the prospects are at. And the Red Sox, after they won the World Series in 2018, really had a depleted farm system. So when Bloom was brought in, one of his main tasks was having to work on kind of revamping that farm system. So where would you say you rank the Red Sox farm system where it stands currently relative to other farm systems across the league since you're, you know, constantly looking at prospects and examining who does what well, where would you rank the Red Sox um, farm system overall? So when I look at the system, uh, it's it's pretty well balanced position player wise. Obviously the the depth is shortstop, but you've got plenty of outfielders, um, you know, kind of looking 
Roman Anthony's a guy we didn't even get to. I think he's done really well and should be going to Portland probably sooner rather than later. Uh, I like the balance there. The pitching is a little bit lacking. Uh, I think you could use some more guys at catcher. This is a terrible draft for catchers. I don't quite know what happened there, but just an awful <laughs> draft for catchers. Uh, and so because of the lack of the pitching and specifically the high upside pitching, the guys who you could see becoming number twos and number threes, uh, it's it's still in the back half of of MLB for me. And it's something where once you get those couple impact bats early, I think you need to put a little higher emphasis than in the past on rebuilding that pitching depth. And I would rather it be with some college guys versus prepsters. So I think back half of day two, which is rounds three through, three, through 10, uh, you've got seven picks there. Yeah, you have seven picks on day two. I would hope that five of them would be arms and at least four, if not five of them, would be college arms. And then starting in the 11th, because the 11th round on, if you don't sign a guy, he does, you don't lose money in your draft pool. Starting in the 11th round, I want to see the Red Sox be a little more aggressive than they've been in the past about trying to get some prepsters and paying them more money than they need to to buy them out of a college commitment and get them to come. Because you've got to find those, those high upside arms, but you can't run the risk of them not signing and losing that money like what happened with Judd Fabian two years ago. So so go go college pitching heavy in the middle rounds. Save some money so that you can go prep pitching heavy in the back half to try to go for upside picks and get some guys that can ter- look to be number twos, number threes, so we can bring this system up into a top half of MLB system versus a bottom half system. Right. Yeah. And I hope that the Red Sox organization is listening to this right now and taking mental notes on everything that you're saying, because I completely agree. And now is the time where they seem to be prioritizing the farm system. So if they're still planning on prioritizing the farm system, they have to be aggressive and really get some of these guys to sign because the pitching, like you said, definitely does lack the depth. So I'd like to see them, you know, really over the next couple of years, build that up from a pitching Mm -hmm. standpoint. And then, you know, they could be in good shape farm system wise, because at some of the other positions, they obviously have some really good young talent. Like you mentioned before. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the talents here. We just, you have to, to develop it and get it. And then for the pitching, you just have to get upside. A lot of these guys are, you need number four, number five starters. You got to have those to get through the summer. Every team uses 10 to 12 starters a year. You just need those guys who can start playoff games for you. And there's not a ton of those. The ones that you have, Brian Bellow, for instance, is already up in the bigs. He's already up and producing. So we just got to get some more guys like that because for a good part of the year this year, look at some of the guys that you had starting, you know, game one of a series, game two of a series. Uh, It's, you know, it wasn't necessarily who you ideally would have in in the postseason. Exactly. Yeah. So hopefully that's something that they can really address in the later half of this draft and um, really get some solid pitching talent in there. But Lindsay, I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on the show with me again. Everybody follow Lindsay Crosby on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. You can follow me on Twitter at Gabby Hurlbut 10. Check out the Locked on MLB Prospects show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as Locked on Red Sox on your favorite podcast platform as we head into the draft this weekend. 
and we see what the Red Sox do because like Lindsay said before, you never know when it's unknown, but I'm excited to see what happens. Me too. Can't wait. Thanks for having me. Thank you.